Episode 22 of The Paul George Show welcomes Kelly Pease Lombardi. How much of our lives are wrapped up in that fear of what others think of us or what they're going to think of us. And I don't know if you can get yourself to a point where you're not afraid of that, but I think what, you know, this author is talking about is pushing through the fear and daring greatly anyway. The Paul George Show! Welcome to the Paul George Show. This week, Paul welcomes Kelly Pease Lombardi. Also discussed are Paul's history with pets, Adam's history with Paul, and what it means to be brave. And now, from Christ Our King Studios in Lafayette, Louisiana, the daring Paul George. Welcome to the show. Paul George here. How's it going today? In studio with the world-infamous Adam Conkzilla. World infamous, baby. That's how you, right. How you doing, Paul? Great, man. Uh, great to be with you. I'm excited for our show. We have a recurring guest today. What? I'm excited about, uh, we're going to have a good conversation. I know that. And uh, so I just landed from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Congratulations. Yes. How did so it go? Got back late last night. It's cold up there. Still? I'm not a big cold guy. You mm. know, we've talked about that. And um, Was there snow? There's a little snow on the ground, mm-hmm. um, but they're about to get pounded. The northeast is about to get mm. pounded with snow. So well, good thing you got out of there. Yeah, I made it out. And uh, I've never been to Pittsburgh. What's it like? I'm mowing my grass. Pittsburgh's a cool town. It's got mm-hmm. um, it's got rivers flowing through it. The really? Ohio River. It's got three rivers, and uh, down here we call them like bayous. their football and baseball stadium right along the river. Their downtowns right along the river. Nice. So you got this really cool area, and then you got like the old steel town mm-hmm. type area that's kind of run down and a little stinky, you know, from all the steel mills and stuff like that. But it's just it's it's old and new. It's it's cool. I, I like the culture there. Very cool. And what were you doing in Pittsburgh? Yeah, so I was there at a meeting, uh, Franciscan University. Uh, for a lot of their conferences that they do around the country. Mm-hmm. So as a speaker. So I was there with a bunch of speakers, which uh, was fun. Um, I bet y'all clown around so much. Well, oh, my gosh. Yeah, so we had this instance where the meeting ended, and it was 11 at night. So it's a <laughs> bunch of guys. Oh, gosh. All, all the hosts that host their different conferences. And so we started you know, kind of playing games. We were throwing, like, apples and oranges to, mm-hmm. like – what inside through like the store and it was fine and then that ended and then a group of them were like well let's go outside so so this is what i said which you'd be proud of me i said you know what like this is the point like this is like the 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 very moment where anything past this moment is only going to go bad <laughs> you said that out i loud? said that out loud nice. and they're all kind of looking at me you know because you ever been in that moment where oh, it's yeah. just like yeah you, you know any idea after this is only going to snowball into something, you know. Right. Somebody's going to get hurt. We're going to do something silly. And so they went outside, and I didn't. I went to my room. We were staying at this um, big retreat center. And uh, no lie, about five minutes later, I get a knock on my door. <laughs> and answer, it's two of the guys. They're like, hey, man, uh, you were right. I was like, what do you mean? They're like, yeah, we went outside, and you know they – they had those grocery carts out there that you put luggage in. I was like, yeah. Well, we started going down those in the, <laughs> in the parking lot, and 
we ran into father's car. <laughs> they put a big dent. It was awesome. <laughs> that is crazy. Yeah. And I'm not surprised at all because, you know, you holy speaker types, y'all are so lighthearted because you have to be, and, you know, and you, you, you get together and you get together. It's, it's, it's yeah. like an atomic bomb of foolhardiness. Yeah. And they're grown men. <laughs> now they got to pay for father's dent in his car. Have to pay a grown man price for that. Yes. So anyway, it was a great meeting. You know, uh, Franciscan has these youth and young adult conferences and adult conferences. They hold mm-hmm. all over the country and on their campus. And probably in a summer, reach between fifty and 70,000 people. Wow. And you have a long history with them. Um, when was the first time you spoke at a Steubenville conference? Really in college. Mm-hmm. I kind of gave my testimony, and then I, w- I would do some of the, the college-age sort of um, mentoring and stuff with, like, the youth. Anyway, it's been a long time. Well, so I remember you speaking at Steubenville South that I went to. And you were in high school? I was, yeah, I was right in the audience. And you were speaking to me, Paul George. That's hysterical. Oh, I remember it. I remember it well. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's so cool, man. <laughs> wow. That's how long it's been, you know, because you're yeah. not, you know, a spring chicken anymore. Well, you know, okay, so I guess I'm not. Maybe a fall chicken. You're a fall chicken. So, anyway, speaking of um, childlike behavior... Um, have you seen this, bro? I, I think you should do this at home. I was thinking about you with this. Uh, they're called Jello boxing gloves. <laughs> so you can look it up. This guy, he takes these huge cooking pots oh my gosh. and he makes jello, but he puts gloves inside of the jello gotta be kidding me. as it forms. So it, when it's done, it's formed around the gloves. Then you could stick your hands in the gloves and then pull these huge. Pieces of Jello out. Oh my gosh! No, they're Jello boxing gloves. Your kids would love this. So you can punch each other. It doesn't really hurt, technically, and then you can eat them. That is hilarious. Yeah, I mean, I guess that would make sense. My wife would have a few caveats, though. Why? We got to go outside. Okay. Can't do it inside. And could we use a clear colored Jello? Why? So we don't stain any clothes. That's like saying, "Can I have clear ice cream?" She would love clear ice cream. Yeah, but that's no fun. There's no fun in clear ice cream. <laughs> I guess not. Or even like clear snowballs. Like we always get the pina colada just in case. Because, I mean, we have small kids, you know. Yeah, and you're prepping them for a pina colada taste. <laughs> that's right. I mean, is that? I mean, prepping them oh, you go clear, but you're going to use pina colada. <laughs> I would rather than being clean and immoral versus dirty. I mean, is there like a clear color that's not an alcoholic reference? There probably is. There probably is. Yeah, like white cherry. White cherry. Yeah. But this is fascinating. Well, look. I agree. With all your small kids, I get it. I tell you what, if we can do this together, I'll do it. Okay. But I need I need your motivation, your type of your type of young heart that will play in Pittsburgh with apples and oranges. Okay, I would pay money to punch you with a Jello fist. That would be awesome. All right, ten dollars. Yeah, and then you can punch punch me me back, and I'll pay you ten dollars. Yeah, we'll just come out even. Perfect. But this kind of leads me. I was reading this article. Here's what's so fascinating about the church, right? And I know you're thinking, where are you going with this? The church just beatified a samurai. Did you see this? I did. This is pretty awesome. I mean, what? I mean, this is awesome to me. So here, you know, they have this image on this article with you know a samurai guy in in total like armor with a sword, and apparently this guy was like you know, a a legit convert to the faith uh, in Japan. He's a samurai, you know. Warrior. Warrior. 
and he fought for the faith and is now beatified. He's on his way to sainthood. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. So anyway. Uh, that would make the, a great movie. Yeah. You need to tell somebody about that. In the 17th century, uh, Catholic samurai and martyr was be- beatified during a mass in Osaka, Japan, which is a place that I would love to visit, yeah. Japan. Um, Can you do me the honor of trying to pronounce his name? You know, uh, you would probably. How about? How about? Uh, I'll just say the first name. Justo. Okay. Justo. Justo. That's it. Did I say it like in Italian? <laughs> yeah, an Italian Japanese samurai martyr. Yeah, yeah. I said it with an accent. Which, by the way, um, soon I'm going to have a guy named Matt Frad as a guest. He's from Australia. Speaks all over the, the country and the world. I ran into him in the airport on this trip, and we sat around and talked. <laughs> His accent reminded me of the Japanese samurai. <laughs> so this is, I think this is fascinating. I can't wait to tell my kids because, you know, they've gotten into um, Ninjago and like other like ninja type things that they're really into. And it's great to tell them like, look, you, a saint ninja. I mean, come on. Or samurai. They're different things, right? Samurai's right. not a ninja. Samurai's not a ninja. Mm. But I don't know the difference. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe it's the difference between like a, Navy SEAL and an Army Ranger. Ah. Like, I don't know. There's a little bit of difference, right? Mm-hmm. But not fully. Which, here, here's what I thought was cool about him beatified, is that it was around um, the, the the time of the feast of St. Paul uh, Maki, which just, uh, St. Paul Miki, which just happened, which just passed yeah. this, this past week. And St. Paul Miki was a Jesuit brother who was who is a saint? He was martyred in Japan, um, and it's the feast of Saint Paul Miki and his companions. Yeah, it's very cool. It's a good time to be beatified if you're Japanese, I guess. And it, but Japanese stuff fascinates me. I've never been. Have mm-hmm. you been to Japan? No, I want to go. It just seems so foreign. It is foreign, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's a different country almost. It it, it almost is. <laughs> and uh, here's the one thing I can guarantee you about Japan. I would stick out. I think so. Yeah. For a few reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Mainly your height. Yeah. Yeah. So I had a friend who pitched in professional baseball there. Really? Yeah. His name is uh, Bobby Keppel. And um, he pitched in the major leagues and then went to Japan and uh, they called him uh, Keppelson. <laughs> they really did. Is that for real? No, it's for real. They they would yell his name, Keppelson. Keppelson. Yeah, it was awesome. I mean, he was like a, a a legit big deal. Like he would walk down the street in Japan. He's Keppelson. Tall, white, Caucasian. He stuck out, you know. And they would yeah. yell Keppelson. You know, <laughs> like like in the Karate Kid, you know, movie Danielson. Like yeah. I guess it's just part of the culture, but. Um, he was famous there, which is very cool. Which is awesome. So well, I, I would, you could I be know, famous there. I know I would stick out. Go speak they, they at would a Catholic probably, conference there. They'll, if I walk uh, down the street, they would probably think I was famous. Uh, but I'm not really. So anyway, you're Catholic famous. Catholic famous. <laughs> yeah, you were sitting in the crowd. You saw me one day speaking. I did. So anyway, we got a great show today. I'm excited to uh, to have our guest Kelly P is on the show. So Paul George Show. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to the show, Paul George. Great to be with you. Uh, got Kelly Pease on the line all the way from the big town, A-Town, Alexandria, Louisiana. Hey, hey. <laughs> What's up? How are you doing? Thanks so much for having me. I'm doing well. I know. You can't, you're How com- are you doing? You're coming back on the show, which is great. The last time we talked, we said we would do it again, and we are. We're doing it we again. We are. Here we are. Boom. Let, let me guess. You're sitting in your minivan. That's where I live out my days, right here in this minivan. Oh, this is so funny. This is like a theme with some of the, the women guests that I have on. <laughs> uh, when I was talking to Leah Darrow, she literally left, walked outside of her house, got in her minivan, and did the interview in her minivan. And you... It's the safe space. <laughs> it's the safe uh, space. You've walked out of school where you teach, and you're in your minivan. The great, Here's the great thing about the minivan, right? If you're hungry, <laughs> there's always food under the seat. There's always something in this minivan. And, you know, so much of the minivan for me is, like, just accepting who I am because I keep wanting to believe that I could be this person who has this really clean vehicle with, like, a little, you know, air freshener hanging on the window and all of this stuff. But when I look in the back seat of my minivan, I just have to accept that this is who I am. I'm the person with um, old fast food bags and French fries in every crevice and a plate of syrup from pancakes that somebody had for breakfast (laughs) and what looks like the whole wardrobe of my household in the minivan. That's me. So what's like the funniest thing you've ever found in your minivan, like food wise? (laughs) Well, you can find a lot of stuff in here, like I said, but, um, I guess one of the funnier things, so I have this dog, he's kind of, uh, he's kind of famous, his name is Ricky, and Ricky has this habit of... Ricky a boy or a girl? <laughs> Ricky's a boy, Ricky is his nickname, his formal name is Richard, Okay. Um, so okay, good. Richard Lombardi, he uh, is our dog, so when we pull up in the van and all the kids, when the door's open, you don't know what's going to roll out, but the kids roll out, stuff is falling out where Ricky jumps into the van to see what he can find. And the other day, he ran out of the van with a full corn dog on a stick in his mouth. Like, he was just going to go sit down on a blanket and have a picnic with a corn dog. That is awesome. My kids were small, like yours are now. And they would, you know, yell, I'm hungry, I'm hungry. I'm like, just look under the seat. There's got to be something (laughs) that you can eat. A Skittle, a goldfish, a corn dog. You know, and sure exactly. enough, like they would find something that they could, you know, munch on until we got somewhere. I mean, right. always. <laughs> I think I still look for stuff under the seat when I'm hungry. I'll find a, find a granola bar or something like that. So anyway, thanks for coming on, taking the time. I know you're yeah. you're super busy. Um, what what's uh What's God doing in your life right now? Well, um, crazy question, but I'm so glad that you asked because... Um, you know, lately, God's just been, like, moving these mountains in my brain all about the subject of vulnerability. Hmm. Because I'm reading this book. It's called Daring Greatly by Bren Brown, and it's just all about vulnerability. Why do we struggle with it? How do we do it? What does it bring to us? And it's just funny because a couple different people had told me I should read this, and you know how that's when you start to know, okay, like, God's got something for me in this. Right. And the whole probably first half of the book, I'm reading it, and she's saying, 
you know, even if you think this doesn't apply to you, like even if you don't think that you have a struggle with vulnerability, you know, this is across the board something that we all wrestle with as human beings. And she's saying it this whole time, and I'm going, no, I don't think this applies to me. Like, I don't think I have a problem with this. But the more that I read and the deeper that I delved, it was funny because God, as I'm reading this book and kind of searching through these ideas about vulnerability, he started bringing these different things to my memory, you know, that were um, just kind of illuminating how, yeah, I do have a hard time with vulnerability, and I think a lot of people do. And um, so it's just been this, journey into this book like I keep telling my husband like sorry babe but you just have to carve out some time and sit down and listen to me talk about this book like <laughs> this isn't so going to be the highlight of your day but it's I have a, a lot of things that I need to say okay this is such an interesting <laughs> word because I think when you say the word vulnerability everyone listening has a, a different image or a definition for this okay so some are like really interested and some are like running from this word you know so right. we all have our different uh, sort of ideas of what vulnerability is. But the book's called, what's it called? Daring Greatly? Daring Greatly Daring, by Bren Brown. Okay, Daring Greatly. And is it essentially just about vulnerability or is this sort of like a, a theme woven in and there's some other themes in there? I mean, it really is, you know, she's this whole, she's on this whole quest to figure out, you know, what is it that makes um, people live kind of full, wholehearted lives? You know, she calls this wholehearted living. She's written a couple other books about this, you know, similar subjects, but, you know, she interviewed tons and tons of people who she saw as just living these wholehearted lives. And the key thing that she got down to in every different person who was living a full, abundant life was that they had the courage to be vulnerable just in their everyday exchanges. So that led her onto this whole um, study of vulnerability. So hmm. this book, Daring Greatly, really is just basically about vulnerability, how it transforms your, lo your life. Okay, so I want to ask you some questions about that. Talking to Kelly Pease, Lombardi. Um, all right, Kelly, so when, when you think about the word vulnerability, you're reading this book. Talk to us. To mm -hmm. Explain to me what, what this means. Not, not only you, but maybe for all of us, what, what the word vulnerability means. What does it mean to be vulnerable? I guess if I could, there's a lot of different things I could say about it because my, my brain is exploding from the book. But honestly, something really simple I think it means uh, to be vulnerable is just to reject the attempt to be cool. That's basically what I think it means. Like, we just have this natural, innate thing in us that we want to be cool. I mean, you can replace that with worthy, with valuable, you know, whatever. But in in all of our exchanges with people, in all of our relationships, you know, how motivated are we by that desire to be seen as cool, you know, as valuable or acceptable? And I think that to be vulnerable is just to, like, give up the the fight to be cool, you know, and just to let yourself be who you really are. <laughs> let yourself be uncool. So would you say vulnerability and this idea of transparency are, are linked together, like just being who you are, who God made you to be, and not really caring or concerned about what others think of you? Yeah, I would say that, because that's, you know, how much of our lives are wrapped up in that fear of what others think of us or what they're going to think of us. And I don't know if you can get yourself to a point where you're not afraid of that, but I think what, you know, this author is talking about is pushing through the fear and daring greatly anyway, you know, 
in spite of the fear that you may be rejected or you may not be. Because that's what we do. You know, we throw up these walls of vulnerability because we're afraid that if we really let ourselves be seen, we'll be rejected. So our, our reaction is to throw up these walls. Well, then we isolate ourselves. Hmm. You know, so we end up in the very place that we're trying to avoid if we would just break down and be vulnerable, even though it's scary. That's how we get those connections that we're actually looking for. Yeah, well, you use the word cool. I wouldn't, I think a lot of people, particularly when they get older, stop using the word cool. So, <laughs> no, I, okay, way to call me out. Uh, <laughs> You're um, right. You know, so younger people who are listening are like, okay, I get I get it, cool. Older people are like, I don't even think cool anymore. But but let me just say this. I think everybody in some way struggles with wanting to be, you know, cool or in or accepted, not rejected. Yeah. And, and and that's the yeah. whole idea. What you're talking about is cool. You know, I was just with a group of friends of mine. And one of the guys in the group, he's just the coolest of everyone. He dresses cool. He looks cool. Uh, and he just has this image of cool, and it's not Adam in the studio with me. Uh, <laughs> but he he like was walking through the meeting room, and he spilt like all over the place. And <laughs> he was like, "This is just like, you know, God's way of constantly keeping me humble and not being cool because I don't even want to be cool. Like I just want to be right. want to be me, you know. And right. we all just long to be want to you know be in and and cool. But the reality is. Right? God just wants us to be who we are and not worry about it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I think you're right. It is, you know, as we grow older, like the things, because I guess, you know, as teenagers, it really does kind of start in teen years, you know, this whole idea of hiding our true selves because we want to be accepted. Mm -hmm. And yeah, as teenagers, it's about being cool, about being popular, about being perceived a certain way. But as adults, I think, you know, for me, some different things have been related to money or success, you know, related to um, intelligence. You know, I have this real vulnerability issue with, like, sometimes I don't want to speak up in a crowd or in a conversation because I feel like, well, gosh, I don't know enough about that. You know, I'm not right. a theologian. Like, I don't have a master's degree. I'm, you know, just like a lowly minivan driver. You know what I mean? Like, um, to push through that fear of being seen as not smart or something, you know, to be vulnerable um, and offer myself anyway, you know, offer myself generously to my own life and to my own circles of friends anyway, you know, is the way that that I'm really going to experience the full life that Jesus talks about in the gospel. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a huge difference, not so much, I think, in the way we interpret this word vulnerability between men and women, right? So... Uh, I, a lot of men who are listening are guys think about vulnerability. It's just not a common word we would use. You know, you don't sit across right. from, you know, a guy. I don't sit across from a guy at lunch and be like, hey, Joe, let's be vulnerable. Um, <laughs> you know, the word might come a little bit easier for women. But the reality is whether we're, you know, a guy or girl, vulnerability isn't a male or female thing. It's a it's a human thing that God mm -hmm. wants us to live uh, and be who we fully are. So when we come back, uh, we're going to get back into this conversation uh, with Kelly Pease, uh, Lombardi. So Paul George, we'll be right back.
Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you. I got Kelly Pease on the line for the interview on the show this week. Kelly, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, so you do live down south. It's hot and it's February. Uh, do you? Yeah. Do you have your air conditioner on? Your windows rolled down in the minivan or what? <laughs> yeah, I've got my door open and the van is off, so <laughs> I'm just kind of enjoying the day. I'm giving the van a break. It probably needs a little break. <laughs> Saving on gas. So, too. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, if you get hungry, just reach under the seat. I'm sure you'll find like <laughs> popcorn or <laughs> a chicken nugget. Yeah, I don't. I don't think corn dogs go bad for at least a couple weeks. <laughs> <laughs> There's always a chicken nugget under there somewhere. Right. <laughs> uh, so anyway, we're having this conversation uh, about the book you're reading. Tell us the name of the book again. Daring Greatly by Bren Brown. Okay, Daring Greatly, and essentially, uh, if you've been listening, the book's about vulnerability. And I know, I know for me, when I when I think about that word vulnerability from the perspective of a guy, uh, it just comes across differently. I'm not saying that it, we, we don't need it. I'm just saying I think about it differently, and I'm sure you do from your perspective as a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in what ways do you think women struggle specifically with vulnerability? And then I'll share, you, share with you my thoughts about guys. Okay. Um, you know, I think women are just like dealing with this pressure. I think that is kind of exacerbated by, um, just internet and the media and everything that we see. I mean, this is nothing new. This isn't like a profound thought, but just this idea that we could be it all and do it all, you know, that we could, um, look a perfect way and be a perfect kind of woman, you know, just the exact right mix of strong, but also feminine, you know, um, submissive, but like empowered, you know, and, and not only that, but just in the things we do, whatever life that you're living as a woman, you know, in the business world or at home as a mom, you know, as a wife, that um, we're just up against all this pressure to be it all and do it all. And, uh, you know, it's really a scary thing to think about being vulnerable enough to say, um, newsflash, like, <laughs> this is not me and I, I cannot be this and that's not how I'm going to be loved or love, you know, right. to kind of just the struggle to drop the, um, facade, I guess. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think with, with men, uh, you can kind of, uh, kind of extend this idea of vulnerability in this conversation about finding our identity. Right. So I think mm-hmm. for a lot of times guys seek their identity in, uh, what, what I've heard said in, in like the three B's or four B's, which is, the billfold, which is this idea that, you know, I'm going to be successful and make money. Uh, the board, mm-hmm. the boardroom where I have a sense of power and intelligence, uh, you mm-hmm. know, in, in what I do, um, not necessarily who I am, but what I do, uh, or the mm-hmm. bedroom, you know, like, like what can I do, uh, just to be, you know, feel like I, I have what it takes as a man. Um, mm-hmm. and, and therefore men sort of run in circles, trying to find their true identity and and in a sense vulnerability is about finding your identity in Christ not in what you accomplish or what you do or how successful you are and mm-hmm. most men I talk to when you get into a vulnerable conversation they're able to get past uh, what they do into who into who they are and they can talk through that you know so a guy might not be super um, successful financially and he's okay with it you know, like he can, he could push right. through or a guy might not be super athletic and can talk sports, but, but he could push through or a guy not, might not be super intelligent, you know, uh, 
and say, you know, silly or stupid things like me uh, in, in conversations and be like, yeah, mm-hmm. I was completely and totally uh, not even in the conversation there. Uh, <laughs> and, and then just step back and be like, you know what? That doesn't define me. You know, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. defined by God. And I think that's that's sort of the struggle uh, with men. Does the book talk at all about vulnerability for men? Yeah, it's really interesting because, uh, you know, she first goes off on this whole thing about how as she started to approach this subject, in her mind, she was just thinking about women. You know, that seems like the first place that you go when you're dealing with a a vulnerability uh, topic because vulnerability is so wrapped up in our sense of worth. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she would just go towards women, you know, you think about body image, what a struggle that is for women, you know, um, all these different things. And so she, you know, Bren Brown traveled, speaks, she gave this huge TED talk that, you know, tons and tons of people latched onto. And um, so she started traveling and speaking. And she said that she gave uh, a talk somewhere and this man kind of lingered for a while after to talk to her. She was signing books and stuff. And even his wife tried to get him to like come, you know, to leave, but she was really like, this guy just haunted her down and wanted to talk to her. And he asked her, you know, have you done any research about vulnerability and men? And she said, no, honestly, like I just have kind of studied women and he kind of, you know, you'd have to read the book to, to get her explanation of how he kind of just like reamed her out in, in a loving way, like a nice way. But he just told her like, Basically, like, we have just as big of a struggle with vulnerability, Um, but, you know, the thing is, I look at my, he says, I look at my wife and my daughters, and I can't be vulnerable because they want me to be the rock. You know, they look to me, and they need me, you know, to be the person who is going to have the answers, is going to fix the problem, you know, and she just, it ended up pushing her into this whole research of men and vulnerability, which a lot of stuff came out about it. You know, the way that men um, respond to upbringings of male figures and coaches and fathers who are constantly saying, just don't be a wuss. Like, whatever you do, just don't be a wuss. Right. You know? Right. And I started to think about how, even like the journey that my husband and I have been on, what a huge uh, player that has been in his mind when it comes to kind of working through issues and hurts and pains and stuff from the past or just whatever, is that it's such a block in, a, in mm. the mind of a man right. to think of how scary it is to seem weak, you know? And I totally got what this guy was saying to right. her. Like, we are looking to men to have all these answers. He's The guy was kind of saying, like, you know, my wife wants me to be vulnerable and share myself, but as soon as I do, like, everybody becomes very uncomfortable, <laughs> you know? Yeah, And so it was like a challenge to me, too, to say, oh, can I accept vulnerability, you know, from the people in my life, men and women? Right. And, and I do think it's important, and, and that's a good point that's made in the book. I do think it's important, you know, for husbands to be vulnerable with their spouses. You know, it should be your best friend. Mm-hmm. But there are times mm-hmm. where, you know, man has to be strong for their family, have a sense of courage and strength. But vulnerability does not equal weakness, at right. all, vulnerability actually equals strength. I'm strong enough to be honest and true to myself and to the people who love me most, right? Right. And yes. we it can't. It takes courage. It does. It takes a lot of courage. And yet, you know, we can't be vulnerable with everyone. But I think for you as a woman, for me as 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 a guy, I got to have 
some male friendships in my life where I can be truly vulnerable and honest. Not every relationship right. will be that way. And you as well, right. right? You as well need those friendships. Absolutely. And I think it is important to realize that, yeah, like you said, it's not going to be, you know, every friend that you encounter, every person that you meet. But, you know, it, the book got me thinking, too, about how when we do hear vulnerability, we immediately go to a vulnerability means that I've got to tell all my deepest, darkest secrets and tell everybody what I struggle with and, you know, where I'm going wrong in my life, you know. And I think that is a part of it to be able to share things that are hard to say. But also in our daily exchanges with people, um, you know, perfect example, like you just love something, like um, anything, you know, you just love to bike ride, let's say, you know, that's just like something that you just love, you know. Well, to me, like vulnerability is like being able to be excited about something that might be like somebody might think is stupid. You know what I mean? Being able to laugh at things that you think are really funny, you know, not like worrying about anything, you know, just being able to offer your true self and your true responses to the people around you. You know, what do you, what do you really think? What are your real opinions? What are your real feelings? You know, in friendships, instead of just kind of glossing over everything all the time, because I find that with myself, even, um, that can be a struggle because when I'm motivated by people's perception of me, instead of motivated by a desire to just live authentically as myself, as the person that God created me, you know, um, my actions and my attitudes change. They become restricted and restrained, you know. So I think vulnerability is also just freedom in living life as the person that you are, you know. Absolutely. I'm working on this concept in my life of only caring what people think about me if it's going to make me a better person. And if it's Mm -hmm. not, I just throw it away. Like I just, I just let it, I let it go. I don't, I don't worry about it in a sense, don't care uh, because it's a distraction for me. It it gets me off course. And I think we all need to learn to first care mostly what God thinks about us, defines our identity. And and then secondly, surround ourselves with people who speak into that, who help us to be vulnerable, Mm -hmm. real, and, and transparent. And it's interesting, the Greek word for transparency, which I was looking up, means glass. It's the ability to see through us. And, and that's ultimately mm-hmm. what what God created us to be and how God created us to live is just to be completely transparent uh, to mm-hmm. uh, to people and, and the way we live life. So what's your last yeah. encouragement to people listening about vulnerability? Um, well, I'm glad we have a minute here. Just real quick, what I wanted to share was that this book, Daring Greatly, if you decide to read it, it's an awesome book, but it's based on this quote from um, Teddy Roosevelt, from a speech that he made, but you might have heard it. It starts, it says, it is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood. And it goes on and on, and it says, um, if he fails, at least he fails while daring greatly. Kelly, thanks so much for coming on. You're awesome. Let's do it again. Thank you. Let's do it again and again. Thanks for having me. All right. God bless. Okay. Thank you.
jamming out. Paul George in studio with Adam Conk. You've been quiet over there. Kelly had you speechless. Speechless. That's what she does. Yeah. Takes my breath away. Yeah. Take my breath away. Ding, ding, ding. Anyway, uh, so what did you learn on the show today? Man. I learned I got to think about vulnerability. Okay. Because I never did. Okay. I don't even know really. I mean, she did a great job of explaining it. Right. But I'm still kind of at a loss as to what it is. Okay. So I'm going I'm to I'm research this. Okay, do it. What about you? What did you learn? Here's what I learned. I learned that uh, you torture your kids with clear candy. <laughs> <laughs> clear. Clear snow cones, clear ice cream. Now you're going you're gonna to teach them to complain about it because up till now they have not complained. But Uncle Paul's going to come over. That's because they don't know them. the difference of what right. they're missing. He's going to bring like a wild cherry snowball and say, Absolutely. Um, I learned that samurais are actually really cool. And apparently one of them's really Catholic. And one of them's really Catholic. Yeah. So the, those are the two things I, I really learned. A very uh, educational show. Yeah. Uh, but, and I did learn about vulnerability. Certainly, but yeah. So anyway, how about those six pack of questions? Question. All right, question number one. Question. So we began the conversation with... We? Uh, you and Kelly. Okay. With a little ditty about her dog, Mr. Richard Lombardi. <laughs> Are you a dog person? Have what? you had dogs in your life? You have dogs. I am I am not a pet guy. Really? No. Like growing up, y'all didn't have a family dog or anything? No. Hmm. Uh, my sister got a dog in high school, and a big dog in the neighborhood killed it. <gasps> it was kind of weird. I just didn't like that whole thing. And I've tried pets before, but I'm just... Can I be vulnerable here? Please. <laughs> I'm just not good at it. I'm not good at pets. Oh. I, I'm just not patient with it. They They don't... They're never healthy. I, I don't know. Some people just have a knack for it. And so just, you've tried and failed? Yeah, and my kids want them, and then they never work, and they end up dying, and it's just bad. It just doesn't go well for us. And there's some point in your life you just have to just kind of surrender, just be like, you know what? That's just not us. Surrender, Paul. Yeah, so do you have a Ricky, a dog? We do have a dog. Okay. Named Spencer. So six kids and a dog? Why not? I don't know. So, see, to me, that like I have panic. My chest just tightened up. <laughs> When I think of six kids and a dog. When it's a big dog. Like, it's the size of all the kids put together. So does the dog get clear dog food? Maybe it needs to start. Yeah. <laughs> all right, question number two. All right. Um, when have you felt the most uncool? She talked about being vulnerable as, like, uncool, but not, like, in a good way, feeling uncool. Like, when did you feel, like, uncool? Every day in class. Really? Growing up. No kidding. Yeah, like, I never talked because I was always you know, didn't want to be uncool. So Silent I felt Paul. so uncomfortable. Really? In class, yeah. Uh-huh. Silent Paul. Yeah, because I it ended up asking a question that was just like, everybody looked at me like, you don't know that? Now, did they really do that, or you just felt that way? Both. Oh. <laughs> but here's the, here's the time I felt the most uncool. Okay. So in college, my senior year, um, I figured out that I needed a foreign language to you know, finish out. And I transferred. And so, okay, so I got to get the foreign language. No big deal. Four years of French in high school. I was horrible at it, but enough to get me by. Well, the only foreign language that was open for the class was Spanish. Never, never took Spanish. So all of a sudden I'm in Spanish class 
and the teacher's speaking nothing but Spanish. I am lost more than anything ever. <laughs> Anytime I've ever taken math or any subject, I am completely on another planet. Well, he gives us a list of words and says, next class, remember these words, and we're going to have a conversation. And I'm thinking, okay, but there's no way that it's, he's going to call on me. So the next class, this is in college, right? He starts speaking Spanish, and then he calls your name to come up in front of class, point to the things he's talking about, and try to respond <laughs> in Spanish. I felt so uncool. He called my name, Pablo Jorge, <laughs> which I can speak now Spanish. So I walk up in front of class and he starts speaking Spanish and pointing to things like a trash can, a bookshelf, a desk in Spanish. And I'm just kind of looking at him. Well, I get lost in translation. Okay. And I unknowingly not thinking about it, respond to him in French. So he asked me a question in Spanish and I say, we parlez-vous français. Come see, come sa, which is Spanish, which is French. Is that French? Yeah. Okay. And he gets really mad, like really mad. And I'm like, "What's going on?" Like I'm completely panicking. Well, the class is laughing because they realize I'm speaking French and he's speaking Spanish. And you didn't it, know you were speaking French? Like you thought you were? Yeah. Like I'm just responding in a language, and 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 I'm not thinking about it. It was the most embarrassing moment of my life. That is pretty uncool. Yeah, and I've done some uncool things, but that was one. <laughs> well, thanks for being vulnerable there. I passed. Good. Barely. <laughs> I graduated. Congrats, Paul. All right, question yeah. number three, uh, kind of the, on the other end of the spectrum. So she talked about the courage of being vulnerable. What's the single bravest thing you've ever done? The single bravest thing I've ever done? Yes, like you earned all your man points that day. Well, I mean, you have to define bravery. Um, you know, I think I can name a few things that I think are super courageous that most people wouldn't think are courageous. One, I, I, I gave over my life to Jesus mm. and most, a lot of men and people struggle with just surrendering their heart to God. And I just think it takes courage. It takes vulnerability. Uh, I got married. Like I stood in front of a church in front of hundreds of people and said, I, I am going to love this person for the rest of my life. That's a courageous act, sort of lost in our culture. So a lot mm -hmm. of people think, you know, you know, being out on the front lines, you know, serving your country is bravery, and it is. But there are courageous acts that we can do every day. Um, one of the things I talk to my kids about a lot is uh, we have very few rules in our house. But one of the rules that I'm particular about is always defend the weak mm -hmm. like always the person who's getting picked on the person who's left out like that is the, that is one of our number one rules because that's what jesus does jesus always sees that person and so to me one of the most courageous things that you can do is talk to the person no one's talking to love the person no one's loving defend the person that people are picking on um we could do that every day and so to me, that's courage, the ability to step out and be virtuous in moments where the culture doesn't care. Mm. So. Wow. Good answers, Paul. Yeah, thank you. All right, number four is actually me being vulnerable mm. to admit my so ignorance. Is, a, is this a question to yourself? It's a question to you, but it shows a vulnerability. Okay. 
All right. I see where you're going with this. She mentioned this. What is a TED Talk? It sounds like something I should know what that is. So I'm being vulnerable to say I don't know what that is. Okay. So TED Talks, if you look them online, they have some fascinating ones. Some aren't so good. But a TED Talk is a really well done 20-minute presentation uh, done by someone who's an expert in an area. So in 20 minutes, they just crush their expertise hmm. in some area. And there, there's some that are really, really, really good. So cool. they're called TED Talks. All right. So what would yours be? What would my follow-up question? What would my TED Talk be? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, wow. That's, that's a good question. I've often thought about that. I don't feel like I'm an expert in any certain Maybe that could be your topic. Area. Not being an expert. How about vulnerability? Ooh. How about the vulnerability of not being an expert <laughs> in an area? Yeah. I mean, so so anyway, yeah, maybe I'd, I'd talk about that. Maybe. All right. Question number five. You probably have a lot of people unload their life story to you mm-hmm. in the most random locations. Yeah. Wherever you go. Because you're just that kind of person where people feel like they can open up to you. And they're... So you probably have a lot of vulnerable people just mm-hmm. unloading to you. Do you have any memorable occasions where it was just kind of awkward or maybe not the best time for that kind of conversation? Um, I don't know if it's ever the best time <laughs> in a sense of like when someone gets really deep about their life and you and, and you think, I don't know if I have time. Like you you're know? in line at Starbucks or something. That's- you're in line at Starbucks. But yeah. last night in the airport, I'm sitting down waiting for my flight. It's delayed. And there's this old guy sitting next to me, and he just starts talking to me. Mm. And literally, in five minutes, I found out his whole life. He's divorced three times. He's flying. He's walking with a cane. This is how old he is, you know? And he's flying to to have a, a meeting with a lawyer for his third divorce. He's mm. super lonely. I'm about to catch my flight, and I, I don't know how long this is going to go, you know? But I've been in some random situations, whether they're in an airport or you know, the line of the store, or, you know, yeah, so. What is it about people like that? Because I've noticed that, like, there, there's some people, they say people just feel like they can open up to you. Like, what qualities do you think you have or people like you were, like, people like, you know, I could I could open up to you, Paul, even though I don't know you at all. Yeah, and I don't know if I'd say that about myself. I could say that about other people. Like, man, people just tell you everything. Uh, maybe it's just the ability to listen, mm-hmm. like, to have this sort of, eye contact with someone of like I'm just interested yeah and I think you know our our body language speaks something to people so there are times where I'm not focused and not interested you know and I'm sure yeah. people pick up on that so right on. all right last question question number six have you ever been told don't be a wuss do you have any memory of someone telling you that exact phrase don't be a wuss yeah I played you know sports growing up and that was like you know boys were just mean you know and there were times where like you you said it didn't hurt but like mm-hmm. it did, you know, like, and I got knocked out a couple of times and it was just Oof. like, yeah, yeah. But anyway, this is a great show, man. We got to do it again. Adam, you're awesome. You can listen to the show on podcast. Find it paulgeorge.la online, iTunes, SoundCloud. Keep listening. Share the show. Great to be with you today. See you next week. God bless. Paul George Show.